The New York Red Bulls back into the postseason for the 12th straight year in Major League Soccer after the draw in Nashville. We talk about decision day in MLS and have a chance to break down the USL season with New York Red Bull 2 head coach John Wallenick. With Connor Laid, this is Matt Harmon. We get it up and going with the latest episode of Red Bull Weekly. A wild decision day from Nashville. It was a lot of fun to be down there. Steve and I had the call. was uh, one of the most interesting days, Connor. I, I will tell you, as I say hello to my podcast partner, uh, Connor Laid. This is Matt Harmon. This is our – wait a minute. i got to get my head straight real quick. Hold on. <clears throat> All right, here we go. Three, two, and one. A wild decision day from down in Nashville. Maybe one of the craziest days Major League Soccer had ever seen in its existence going from 1996. Whatever it was, 11, 12 teams that had the ability to get into the postseason. Red Bull fortunate enough to be one of them based on a 1-1 draw with Connor Lane. I'm Matt Harmon. This is our Red Bull Weekly Podcast. Connor, it was crazy. I will tell you. I mean, Steve and I, I know the clips on social media it was hit record on the GoPro, which Arpan had given us. Hey, just throw this up there just in case something exciting happens. And it was, I had to remind Steve, I was like, don't forget to hit record. He hits record. And then whatever it was, 40 seconds into the game, Fabio gets the goal, which turns out to be enough to get Red Bull into the postseason. Yeah, you're about as surprised as I was. Uh, you know, you. I feel like that's the common message in the locker room usually is start fast and can't start much faster than that. And what a way to get on the front foot right off the opening whistle. And yeah, I think that was exactly what they needed to kind of ease any tension that they had about the day. I mean, what a, what a perfect start. I, you couldn't draw it up any better. Yeah. And when I say wild in terms of major league soccer overall, because there were so many teams that could either qualify or not qualify, move up from where they were or move down from where they were, we were literally watching every single game. I think the only one that we were like, at ah, doesn't mean anything at all, was the New England-Miami game. That was more just whoever gets the win gets the win. But every other game had a huge meaning, and it was uh, Red Bull up one nothing. All right, we might finish in fifth. And then at one point we were in sixth, and then we wound up finishing in seventh. Uh, so, listen, as much flack as they get sometimes, kudos to Major League Soccer. I don't know that they could have put the schedule together a, a whole lot better than they did. But for New York, a gutty performance. I, I know you watched it. I mean, there were so many times in that game where you were just – and not even because of the that's so Metro thing that everybody says. You were just waiting for the other shoe to drop because it was against the Nashville team – that hadn't lost, that obviously still thought they can get the two seed overall in the postseason. But man, did Red Bull just gut out that result, which is what you and I said they were going to have to do a week ago when we recorded. Yeah, I think, again, the, the start was incredible. And then, you know, as the game goes on, obviously Nashville grows into the game and gets some chances. But that's a game that you've seen this team, you know, such a young team lose this year. 
you know, you go up early, you get a great start. And then things just, you know, crumble a little bit. You get, you see a little bit of cracks here and there, but Gutty is just an understatement. I mean, what a way to finish that game. I think enough can't be said about Carlos Coronel, honestly. He, the way he's performed this year, obviously, I think there were some skeptics early on in the year with a couple of his performances and obviously a battle with him and Ryan Mara, but he has been phenomenal this entire year. I think he has stepped it up, stepped it up incredibly lately that, you know, knowing that you can go up a goal and the way he's performing, you feel comfortable that you can see out a one nothing result. And obviously, unfortunate on the goal, Fabio getting two goals on the day. But, you know, unfortunately, I think Carlos would have made that save regardless. And I think, you know, other than that, I mean, he whenever he was called upon, he was just absolutely dominant. And what, you know, I think the, the guts start with him there. It, it really shows that there's so much confidence in him. And it, it's it's really inspiring to see. And I think, you know, you you see this team develop and, you know, be very stout defensively especially going into Nashville where they they score for fun. I think it's uh, it's extremely, um, you know, really inspiring to see. And I think it bodes well for them in the postseason. I don't think this there's a better defensive group right now in MLS. Connor, so wild that you, you mentioned some of those things. And it was right in line. I mean, I had flashbacks, and I'm trying to remember the year I don't recall, I want to say 2017, which was the year that you guys were eliminated in the postseason. That was Amir Murillo going to drop to the post late and didn't get there in time for Pozuelo. Am I, am I thinking of that right? That was 2017. Pozuelo hit that free kick at Red Bull Arena, and then there was talk, hey, we talked about this all week long. I had visions for whatever the reason of that play when Fabio came to the post late because I, I think we, we said it without question, Carlos Cornell makes that save there was obviously some miscommunication and to his credit I think Cornell kind of took responsibility for it maybe he didn't yell in time I got it maybe Fabio didn't realize maybe didn't hear um, because of the scene that was taking place at Nissan Stadium but it, it was really so exciting and interesting to watch that game develop and to be fair as many times as we maybe waited for the other shoe to drop, Red Bull had great opportunities as well. Tom Edwards could have made it 2 nothing in the first half. You had Omir Fernandez basically take a blast shot. You had a post that was hit. I mean, there were so many things in there. It, it was a game that, I will say this, at some point, I was really hoping that these two teams were going to match up again, and maybe they will in the next round. But after playing the way that they did – on Sunday to then turn around and have to play that game again, I thought would have been wild, but it's Philadelphia that we get and a Philadelphia team that has really caused New York some problems. I think that's, that's a fair assessment, right? I mean, over the course of the last several years, knocked out of the playoffs a couple of years ago, I, I was thinking back to games in the open cup where the team has lost to Philadelphia. It just seems like the union has been in Red Bull's way so many times to the point where you're waiting for it to now flip and almost think it, it, it's time for New York to beat Philadelphia and, and spoil their party a little bit. Yeah, I think that's uh, very interesting that we match up with Philly, and I'm not sure if they're thrilled about that because 
you know, it, it's always a tough matchup. I think this is uh, a game that's, you know, both teams like to play a similar way. You know, Philly has been kind of moving towards the um, a similar Red Bull system. Um, and so I think that's going to be, that's going to be interesting on the day. And you know that going down to Philly to get a result, it's, it's always tough. So I think that's, that's no secret. Obviously they're a very dominant team at home. And I think I, I honestly, I feel confident in this New York team right now. I think, I think the Red Bull should go in there feeling confident as well that the longer this game goes on zero zero, I think they're, they're going to be growing into the match. I think the, the pressure is going to be on Philly. Listen, no one expected New York to get to where they are right now. So they're playing with house money and I think they should go in there, go after it. And, you know, really with nothing to lose. I think, you know, if, if you're Philly, you, you've probably, you know, you, you've had uh, more uh, big expectations for this year on how they finished last year, supporter shields winner coming into this year. And I think, Really, the the pressure is going to be on them. So for New York, it's it's a good position to be in going into this match. Yeah, I mean, listen, if you're Philadelphia and you're the two seed and you're Red Bull and you're the seven, uh, everybody would say, ah, Philadelphia, they always figure out a way to beat New York. But I do get the sense, Connor, to your point, that this Red Bull team is just a little bit different, not only from where they were a couple of months ago, but from where they have been even the last couple of years. It's a different mentality. It's a different mindset. It's a team that, um, even unlike some of the real good teams you played on in 2015 and 16, 17, even up to 2018, this is a team that has essentially done something that's been really unique, and that is grow up on the job. I mean, you guys had veteran players from all over the place and, and guys that were brought in to, to take the team over the hurdle. This team is, has stuck together. And even think to the, to the transfer window, I mean – no big moves, no players coming in real late that are now making an impact. This has been the group from the beginning part of the season till now with a couple little twinkers, you know, tinkers, guys in, guys out. Uh, but but this has been it. And I think the phrase grow up on the job is exactly what we have seen this team do. I think that's the perfect way to put it. And, you know, we talked about them basically playing playoff games for the past two months. So they're ready for this moment. This is no... No surprise to them what this game is going to look like. They've been in it. They've learned from it. And I, I don't think you can put a price on the the type of really camaraderie there is amongst the team right now. They, they've they rallied around each other, dug themselves out of one of the worst holes this club has ha- been in in recent memory and got themselves into the playoffs. And so, listen, there's so many excuses you could have made throughout this year. And they've rose to the occasion. And I think that credit to the leaders on this team, credit to Gerhard Schruber, you know, really top to bottom, everyone's held each other accountable to really dig themselves out of the hole that they got into. And it's very, very impressive. Um, and so I think this this grow up on the job mentality, obviously it was going to have to come at some time with the the types of young players that they have playing big roles on this team. And, you know, even look at the Nashville game, you have Patrick Klamala out. Fabio steps up, gets the early goal. You know, you you get Omir Fernandez back in the lineup, and you can see when he comes into the game, there's something so special about what he has right now. I think it's to see the way he's grown into this team to be a dynamic attacker and someone who's just creating chances out of nowhere. It's so impressive to see. And then just having 
Carlos Coronel in goal, Sean Nealis leading this back line. It's, it's been incredible to watch the, the maturation process throughout 2021. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm excited. I think the, the future bodes really well for this team, and it's, it's going to be uh, interesting to see how they finish out this year. I think we're all excited for November 20th. What we're going to do now is take a timeout. When we come on, uh, we will be joined by John Wallenick. Speaking of guys that I'm sure are excited, his New York Red Bull team, too, is uh, officially over now within the USL. Um, we'll, we'll do a quick little recap of their season talk about some of the players to keep an eye on great opportunity for us to do that uh, with an extra week, essentially for us to get the podcast, which I would imagine we'll try and devote next week to more of a playoff type preview. John Wallenick coming up after this quick timeout. It's Red Bull weekly brought to you by New Jersey Institute of technology. New York Red Bulls weekly brought to you in part by the New Jersey Institute of technology. NJIT makes industry ready engineers in more than 20 fields if it's engineering, it's at NJIT, number one of the nation for student upward economic mobility. Learn more at njit.edu. As the New York Red Bulls get set for their playoff game in Major League Soccer, they will take on the Philadelphia Union November 20th down at Subaru Park, game that is now scheduled for 2.30, as we just talked about before the break. Great chance for us to catch up with John Wallenick, the New York Red Bull 2 head coach. And as we can kind of see uh, coach, you're still still working, right? Still in the office, still grinding. I mean, it, it, even though the season is over, as probably a lot of coaches would say, this is really when the work, in essence, takes place. Yeah, I mean, we, we had a, a friendly game Monday against Philly. So, uh, you know, we had that. And then uh, the last couple of days, you know, buttoning the season up a little bit with some uh, physicals and meetings and, um, you know, haven't quite gotten to thinking about next year yet, but obviously when you're making decisions on players, that's, that's a part of that. So, uh, you know, there's always something to do. That's for sure. Always something to do. And, and in a year, um, you know, obviously coach, when we had John last time on the podcast, you were still in that stretch of, can we figure a way to get back into the postseason this year? It, it unfortunately take place. And I know that's a disappointment. Um, for you and the organization, because even with the idea almost assimilated to, to the MLS team, they're so used to being in the postseason. You are used to being in the postseason. I know with even a really young roster this year, that that probably is the one that kind of eats at you as you as you look ahead to the offseason. Yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, you know, at the end of the day, I am and we are competitive people. And, you know, it's uh always going to be the goal at the beginning of the season to go after it and, you know, uh, obviously do the best you can. Um, you know, I, I think we showed at the end of the year that, you know, we could put a little stretch together and, and be good and be competitive and get results. Uh, unfortunately, it just took us too long to get there. Uh, you know, lots of reasons for it, lots of things um, to that put us in certain positions where we were a little shorthanded or whatever, but, um, you know, I thought in the end we kind of showed, all right, we can be really competitive with no matter what team we play, you know, tying Tampa down in Tampa when they were pushing for, um, you know, tops in the league, uh, you know, finishing off with a couple wins. I think, you know, it showed that we had some potential to, to be good and to be uh, competitive. Um, again, unfortunately, it just took us a little bit too much time to get there. 
John, what do you think? I mean, I, we can go through a little bit of some of the challenges that you've had to go through this past year. I guess 2020 gave you a little bit of a taste of what these challenges could be this year as well. But from my math, I think 37 players uh, made appearance for you in 2021. How tough is it putting together a roster um, of not only the players you have signed to your team, but first team players that are coming down, academy players who are coming up, all while managing a pandemic and the threat of some of your players actually leaving halfway through the season to go to college. What do you think the biggest challenge of 2021 was for you guys? Yeah, that's a, it's, it's certainly an interesting question. And I think, you know, I'll talk about the last piece a little bit like that transition um, from the beginning, uh, especially with a young group, uh, you know, you say 37 guys, I think in the past we've been somewhere around 45, and, uh, you know, this year, the missing eight, so to speak, were mostly towards the upper end, right? So if we played more academy guys than we have in the past, and they've taken up more time and space and minutes and starts, and you played less guys, well, that just means that we missed out on some of the first team guys. And um, certainly that was, that was a piece this year. And some of that was due to protocol. Some of that was due to, um, you know, the first team having whatever issues they had, right, in, from injuries to visas to um, you know, having some difficulty getting guys in. So, you know, we certainly had some challenges in that sense. And it, it, it's not a coincidence that, you know, especially when that first group of academy guys started to transition out, the Zelinskis, Acosta, Roald Mitchell, um, you know, that's when we had our, our uh, seven-game losing streak. So the depths of the season, uh, you know, had happened to coincide with that uh, changing of the guard, so to speak. And, uh, you know, certainly that was, that was tricky. Um, I think, you know, along with that, we, we played a number of different back lines and, um, you know, and I think we've showed a little consistency at the end with the back line that we were playing the last, you know, eight or 10 games, whatever it was. And I don't think, again, I don't think that's a coincidence that that was probably the best stretch of, of consistent results. So um, for me, it was, you know, having to deal with um, a little bit less first team guys, playing more academy guys, um, and then specifically, uh, in the back line, having to make a lot of changes there made, made things a little bit extra uh, tricky and difficult. So, you know, we embraced it. We went after it. We tried. And uh, in a lot of ways, we, we made some strides. And we, I felt like we, we helped certain players for sure. And, um, you know, the results weren't quite there. But uh, we still made um, progress, so to speak. And, you know, that when you're a development team, that's the main uh, purpose. So uh, in certain ways, you got to feel good about that. So it sounds like the answer was essentially D, all of the above, a little <laughs> of, of, of all of it there. Um, as always, as always. You know, you know what, Coach? I, I, I love that last little piece of your answer because even though it's a results-driven business on whatever level, if you are the second team for a major league soccer team, unlike some of the other USL, you mentioned Tampa Bay, a Pittsburgh, uh, places like that where that's all they have, your job is development, and and despite the results, I get the sense that you will take um, a lot or at least a good number of positives from a lot of the individual performances that you did see. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, if you asked me in the beginning here what's most important for you, it, it would be I'm right, moving one, two players up to the first team. Okay, mission accomplished. Uh, Omar uh, gets first in contract. AJ 
was fantastic at the end of the year, uh, earns himself a first-team contract. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if one or two more of our, our roster players uh, end up on uh, the MLS roster next year. Out of the 13 guys we signed, I think that's pretty good. Uh, throw in, you know, uh, some of the good progress we made with Roald Mitchell this year. I, I, you know, we got to, you know, some of that is helped him move along. Some of that has learned a lot about him. As a club, we learned that this guy has some talent. Um, you know, next up, Serge Ngoma. Um, again, another guy that, um, you know, had some spits and spurts through the year or whatever, but then towards the end started to show he could score some goals and be really effective. And, you know, wasn't surprised that he gets two of his goals off full pressing moments. And, uh, you know, I, I think um, another guy that we kind of, moved along and and also got some answers on uh, going forward and, and start to get excited about or continue to get excited about. Um, and then, you know, I think there's some other stories too of, of guys that did did well and improved themselves and again, improved their uh, stature, so to speak, within the club. Yeah, one of those players for me, obviously one of the bright spots of this year, Daniel Edelman. I know talking about him with you early on in the year, um, you could see that he was growing into a leadership role within this team. And I know you mentioned that you didn't want to bite off or give him too much to, you know, have on his plate early on in the year while you want him to really focus on what he needs to do to be effective within the team. How did you see him kind of grow throughout the year and really put him in the position that he is today, obviously with the U 20 call up big for him in his personal career, but to see him not only, focus on what he needs to do, but he's also taking on more onto his plate and really focusing on the guys around him. You could tell he's always, you know, directing traffic in the middle of the field throughout the year. Yeah, it's, it's, it's always an interesting uh, process with guys. And, you know, I have to adjust a little bit now too, right? Cause this is a little bit of a new thing of guys like Edelman and Curtis um, signing USL deals directly. Obviously we went through that with Tyler, but Tyler was, you know, a little bit different, um it's it's an interesting you know quick assessment on where he is and what he can handle and uh you know uh, i felt early on you know he needed to work on uh some specific things for red bull playing forward forward defending uh those type of things as we moved it was a, became a little bit more you know general soccer stuff about recoveries and intelligent recoveries and finding ways to um, shut down transitions in the right way. Uh, and then, you know, right at the end, it started to be a little bit more about, okay, you know, can you be a little more positive uh, as, you know, as you're not, you know, can we not just focus on ourselves and make sure that, you know, in the beginning, you kind of let him focus on himself because you know he needs to ramp up. Um, but then it becomes more general. Okay, now how can you help us with the pressing and the tactics? Throwing a little bit more on him with set pieces. Um, you know, started to wear the captain band more. Uh, so that, you know, I, I, you know, me, Connor, I try to be strategic with everything I do um, and, you know, trying to use every little lever that we can pull around here to, to help him move forward. And uh, again, trying to do it in balance. John, is this a difficult time? Because at the end of the season, you're, um, I, listen, again, I'll use the word, I know it's a business, but you're, you're dealing with so many young players and at the end of a season like this, you're going to tell some of those young players you're not coming back next year. Is that is that one of the hard parts of the job? Yeah, for sure. Uh, 
you know, um, even though the cycle here is fast, right? Like usually we have guys that are here for one year, we have guys, and then not too many guys make it past two. You still get attached and you still um, put effort in and they put effort and they add, they do have a lot of the things that you ask them to do. And that, you know, trying to find that answer all the time of why it's not working or why it's not quite good enough. It's not always easy to come up with those answers in reality. Um, and, and yeah, it's tough. And, you know, it's, you know, that old saying of blood, sweat and tears, it's true. And, um, you know, you meet some really good people, you know, Connor knows Jesse used to talk about all the time about, you know, good people make good players, not the other way around. We, we embrace that. And we try to do that here in some ways that makes the job harder, uh, at times in the, especially with those tough decisions. Um, but we've all been there. Um, that's part of the journey. It's part of what makes it special is that it's hard. Uh, and, you know, uh, part of being a pro is, is handling those tough situations. Uh, and, you know, not necessarily saying goodbye, but saying maybe not here right now. And uh, that's certainly difficult. But, uh, you know, we all ask for this job in a certain way and got to deal with everything that comes with it. You know, it, it's so interesting, Connor. I'm thinking back to a season's worth of podcasts and, you know, in, including John now for a second time, we must have had, what, six USL Red Bull 2 players on and and all of them, um, I, I would say, exceeded expectations in terms of the interview process because that's, that's probably a, a, a big step for a lot of guys. How do you carry on a conversation? How do you show, John, to your point, that you're – growing up, not just as a player, but as a, as a man, as a person. Um, but, uh, you know, Connor, I'll let you comment. I, I was so impressed with the guys that we had on this year from that maturity standpoint. Yeah, we, we had some great conversations and obviously kudos to you guys. Obviously, I don't know how much uh, media training that you guys had, but bravo. We had some, it's, we had some, <laughs> it's some the cold calling. It's the, it's the cold <laughs> calling in the uh, meetings, Connor. It's not the media training. It's the cold calling during video. It, it, listen, I don't know if there's any harder questions than you can ask them than when we asked them, you know, what should your rest of the fence position be in this situation? <laughs> yeah, we're, we're throwing softballs compared softballs to at them after that, right? That's yeah. it. I, don't, I don't think we asked anybody that. I don't think we got into <laughs> rest defense at all. We're going to have to incorporate that, though, next year. Uh, and, and then, and then, Coach, you can take yourself out of it. Hey, I heard you on the podcast. Completely, <laughs> completely wrong answer. You don't know what you're doing, and um, you're, you're in trouble for the next game. It, it, like it I was said, really there's always work to be done. So if you guys can handle that, I'll move on to the next piece. <laughs> it, well, we'll it, just have you we'll, – we'll have a guy in here, and then you'll just pop in, and the fourth screen will come in, and then you can just start <laughs> surprising them with some rest of fence things. That would be great. Pop no one will ever come back on again. Yeah. Pop quiz. Here's your, here's your coach. John, John Wall, giving us a couple of minutes here on our Red Bull Weekly Podcast. Um, John, one, one for me, maybe to educate the – fan base, the listeners to the podcast. So your season's over. You said you just had a friendly game. What's the lay the timetable out for me over the course of the next couple of months? Yeah. So now we're, we're done. So as far as, um, you know, on field activities, you know, the team's done now we tried to extend the season a little bit, knowing that we weren't making the playoffs. And then you always have that couple weeks after the season, maybe you're looking at some, some trialists, um, some guys that maybe could be uh, um, 
interesting for next year. Uh, and then obviously we had a couple guys come in late. So just wanted to extend it as much as possible because when you extend at the end, you shorten the off season a little bit. So now obviously we're in the process of, uh, you know, offboarding guys and, you know, doing the physicals to make sure they're healthy and ready to go. Um, you know, obviously there's a little bit of negotiation and contract, um, do some individual meetings, try and give the player as much information as possible going into the off season so that they can work on the things that we would like them to work on. Uh, although off season is also a time I always liked it to work on some things that I wanted to work on. Um, so it gives some space for that too. Um, and then, you know, we'll give them off season programs. So wherever they go, most of the guys will be headed home. Some guys are around here. Some guys will transition to the academy. Um, so already some of those guys are still playing uh, some games. Uh, so, and then, you know, obviously it's a bit of an international group. So some guys will be headed home to their own countries. And, um, just got to make sure that we stay in contact. So we'll, we'll give them off-season programs, especially on the physical end. Um, and then, uh, you know, the, the, the schedule for next year is a little bit undetermined right now. But I'm, I'm sure they'll be back around the first week in February. Uh, and then it'll... Some of it, some of the guys, a couple guys are in first team training this week, so they'll be around a little longer. Uh, hopefully, um, the guys that we bring back, I always like to push to try and get them in with first team training uh, when they start up in maybe January. So, some of it a little yet to be determined. Some of it um, normal off season, just gotta be on a program. You can't can't leave it up to the young guys to to do what they're supposed to do without telling them. So, um, and then hopefully see them in a couple months. John, how about for yourself? I mean, is what does your off season look like for you? Are you going to be, you know, is there a beach somewhere calling your name, or are you just going to be grinding at academy trainings, knowing that you know we got to <laughs> check out the next crop of guys coming up that are going to feature for Red Bull too? Between you and me, Connor, there's a little vacation, but for anybody else, just grinding. Love it, love it. Uh, no, yeah, this year is is difficult, right? Because last year was tricky, obviously. Uh, and it was a sprint and then we finished up and, you know, it was so fast and furious and the schedule was crazy. You know, you felt tired or whatever, but, you know, I transitioned to the academy pretty easily and, you know, went right through December and then come in early January back at the academy and stuff. So I, ne I didn't actually take a vacation last time because you felt like you're on vacation during the, the stoppage. But then I, I think I kind of burnt myself a little bit in that sense. And, you know, so I'm feeling a little bit now. So, uh, uh, family and I will get a little vacation in there, probably take a week in December and um, get away for a little bit, take a couple of days here and there to, I got some doctor's appointments and other things to take care of, all that stuff that you push off during the season because you're grinding. I uh, got to take care of that, some of that stuff. But there's, you know, again, there's always stuff to be done. So uh, I'll spend some time with the academy to get to continue to get to know those, that new crop, so to speak. Um, be around the first team a little bit, continue that process of building connections there. Uh, hopefully they go for a while. Um, but yeah, uh, I think Trish and I will head down to Florida for a week and try to decompress a little. Nice. And then, I mean, you should probably take in a little TikTok as well. So you have some good locker and banter, you know, try to keep up with the kids. <laughs> Not my thing, man. The social media thing is not my thing. No Twitter, no TikTok, no Instagram, no Facebook for me. What is that? I don't what know how I survive in the world today. Yeah, that. I, that's what I want to know. When you walk into the locker room, like, what are those conversations? What's the banter like now with these young kids? Usually, I mean, they were always younger, but not this young. So, like, what's that 
what's the banter like in the locker room or is it all just going straight over your head <laughs> it is tricky luckily uh you know we got a bunch of soccer geeks so if you keep it in the soccer realm i'm okay right. so you know what I, I what i like to do is uh, i i call it like uh i i uh steal twitter so i you know friends of mine or whatever send send over tweets i tell fernando alvo all the time he's my twitter feed he'll send me tweets and then i'll check out his feed behind the, the tweet or whatever and that's that's the way i get my, a lot of my information so um but hope try to keep it in the soccer realm obviously you got to try and get outside that uh, otherwise uh the relationship doesn't you know isn't all encompassing as you need it to be or whatever but I, it's tricky man I've, i know it's not easy sometimes you just gotta sometimes there's there's value in knowing when you when you've lost yeah <laughs> there you go <laughs> John, what is it? What what is it going to take you to? I mean, Connor, this is kind of under your responsibility as that player connection to past players to now current times. What is it going to take, John, to get you on social media? Do we have to? Does Connor need to set up like a ghost account for you? I'll get I'll get a little burner account. They'll never know. <laughs> burner. Yeah, we'll just get all your players. You can track all their movements on social media. It'll be beautiful. That's what I'm saying. I use different people from my. So Matt, Matt's my our our player twitter feed so it used to be zach and now it's matt but um i just have have to again you have to be strategic about it if i'm not going to be on then i got to find ways to get in without being in you got social media but if you want to set account, up an account for me that's fine i can i can do that i'll get myself in trouble i'll get myself in trouble i can i'll be one of your social media soldiers i promise okay <laughs> john let's um let, let, let's finish with this one um and go back to a piece of your answer from from earlier you said your opportunity to go down connect with some of the academy players and connect with some of the stuff right now from from the idea of being around the first team as they get ready to get into the postseason and hopefully um put together a nice long run when when you now go out to those training sessions and, and practices what what is your role and responsibility at those yeah, with, with the the protocols and stuff, uh, uh, it's it's been a little bit tricky. But so this year has been pretty much um, observation, just making sure that um, you know I know what they're doing, and then obviously as much as possible listening to the information that's being given, um, trying to get those details. Um, I know it's one thing to look at a training session and see what it is written up. It's another thing to be out there uh, watching it go on. Uh, and then it's another to see all the behind the curtain that goes on, you know, before and after uh, an activity and, uh, you know, just grabbing up those little details is the biggest thing. And also some of it's, you know, making sure that the guys know me and I'm around and it's, you know, it's not some second team guy over there that has some different uh, thoughts about the game. So. Um, there's that. And then obviously, you know, there's been a little bit less of this this year, like, as I mentioned with protocols and stuff, but when our guys go up, making sure I'm watching and seeing, you know, when Edelman's in training, what is, what's the piece that's, I can see it in our games, but MLS is the level's different and the, it's going to be a little, some little, uh, different details there that, uh, I need to be around to see, you know, what it is he needs to work on so that I can be. Uh, specific with my information to him about how to how to you know continue to move forward coach we appreciate you hopping on enjoy some of that downtime i'll look forward to seeing that social media account that connor will put together for you and i'll be 
one of the first followers. Um, enjoy the offseason, and we'll catch up soon. You know, Connor, from a, from a standpoint of let, let's you and I finish with a couple of things, and, and we've talked about this several times. From a standpoint of having the right guy in charge of your USL team, there is nobody better. Results, not even in the equation, but from better player, better person, understanding the system, growing up to be a, a better man. I, I would challenge anyone to find someone better than John Wallenick. Yeah. Listen, I think uh, there's not many people who are so connected throughout a club top to bottom. And John Wallenick is one of those people, you know, so, so in tune with everything going on in the academy. He's at academy trainings. He's at first team trainings. He's, you know, when available, he, he's all over the place. And he, he's really done it all throughout this club and knows what it takes to compete at the next level. He's been in the shoes that of, of the guys that are he's coaching currently. He knows what it takes to move up. And he also knows the trials and tribulations of being a professional soccer player. So I couldn't think of a better person to really head up the really holding the future of the at least the homegrown side of our clubs and some of our young players coming up. So it's it's truly uh, the perfect man for the job. And obviously you want nothing but good things for John. And we're hoping that next year can be a little bit smoother than uh, the past two, because I know it's, he's had to have the toughest job in USL. Challenging you for next week podcast right now that we're going to find whatever guests you're going to imagine up. That's going to be able to put together a great Red Bull playoff preview with Philadelphia on November 20th. It's it's going to be a good one. We you have to wait and listen, and we're going to have some fun next week, and obviously get everyone ready and primed up for Philly. And it will be a big week, and we'll uh, hope to hope to have someone on here fun for you guys. Our thanks to John Wallenick, to Zach Leahy, for Connor Lade. I'm Matt Harmon. Thanks for listening to the latest episode of Red Bull Weekly. We'll talk to you next week with the playoffs in the offing.